Hey, Uncle Steve. What? How did ducks learn to fly? I don't know how. They just wing it. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac told me that joke before. No, I didn't. Yes, he did. Welcome to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. This is episode 202, and I'm your host, Stephen Dutzman. This week, I am joined by Amanda Farah, the Princess of Power, and she is here with me to talk about board games. Heck yeah. Um, so, um, Amanda, you've had one heck of a week. I'm so tired. You are so tired. You flew all the way down to Texas. Boy, are your arms Boy, tired. Boy, are my arms tired. Oh my goodness. You could actually use that. So, um, you were actually at a board game thing. I was. So, can we talk very briefly about it? Because it was super cool. You yeah. were there to talk about ethics in board games. In, in yeah. all aspects of it. All aspects of board games. And you were I on a panel. On tabletop network. Yes, I was on the. I was on a panel. I was the only journalist on the panel. Um, my friend, uh, Jen was moderating it for us and then air like a, another critic in the industry like on the on the tabletop side um i can't remember his last name it starts with a y he's amazing it's he runs his thing is called what's eric playing mm-hmm. um yeah i know i know that guy yeah he's awesome like really really sweet so we we did this panel about ethics and we ended up engaging the community and the audience to like write down their burning questions about ethics, the ethics of design in tabletop, the ethics in the community of like the tabletop community and the ethics uh, around environmental concerns about tabletop. So we talked about things like manufacturing and material sourcing. We talked a little bit about uh, the ethics of censorship and whether or not censorship is ethical, which it is not. (laughs) I mean, it is decidedly ethical Uh, because somebody asked like very like a very sparky uh, woman who is just like me, but just a little bit older. Um, she was great. She asked that she asked if, you know, we should burn secret Hitler, you know, oh. should burn secret Hitler. And my response to that would be, my response to that was no, that's unethical. That's like burning books. Yeah. We don't burn content just because we don't like it or we don't agree with it. We just agree that this is not content for us. It's not hate speech, so it yeah. should be able to exist. Um, what else did we end up talking they about? They really we could have come up with a better name for that game, though. I mean, I get what they're saying. Like, they could have just said Secret Dictator, and guess what? It would have been the same game, but that's a, that's their brand. It's fine. Um, it's not, it, like, it's 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 whatever. It's it's not up to me to judge. It was just me offering perspective on on ethics and you know how you engage with influencers versus journalists and the way that I conduct myself as a journalist and as a critic and things like that so it was it was such a cool conversation we're gonna end up picking it up and finishing it up in a podcast um, because we had a ton of questions that we didn't end up getting to because the the audience was so engaged I absolutely love it I will go back to tabletop network again a hundred percent sure sounds great so that's just in the lead up to uh, Board Game Geek Con in yeah. Dallas. Yeah, and that's 
now. That's right? now. Yeah, today's the first day of BGGCon. Which is insane. Uh, very busy. I think it's not quite the end of convention season because in a couple more weeks is PAX Unplugged, um, which you are going to. Yes? I am. Okay, yeah. good. At least the EFG will have. Rolling out. Yes, EFG will have some representative there because we will actually not. Um, Linda's husband had back surgery a week and a half ago. Um, he's recovering quite nicely, and he's very much enjoying his time playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I've been watching. I've been watching and following along on his yeah, Facebook updates. Um, yeah, no, he. Um, I I worked from uh, from home the other Friday to. Uh, make sure that he didn't, like, fall and not be able to get up. Um, and it happened to come, and one of the reasons he was glad that I was there is so that I could walk to the mailbox to get his copy of Star Wars. Um, so, uh, as a result, obviously, she cannot leave him home for an entire weekend for us to go to Philadelphia, and I um, just can't go by myself right now. So we are uh, staying home, but we'll be at Toy Fair, which is just around the corner. Um, yes. So... Um, Looking forward to hearing your uh, opinions on PAX U when that all happens. Um, Absolutely. Because, you know, you like to talk about games. It's kind of what you do. Um, why don't we do this? Because I had a guest lined up. It was going to be a surprise guest. And that all kind of fell through at the last minute. So, but we, when we were brainstorming for this podcast, we had so many things that we have played and wanted to talk about. I think we could just go around the horn, like literally the entire time. Yeah, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. We have a lot to talk about. So why don't we do this first? Let's just let's just roll right to it. Um, okay. I want to yes, tell you yes, about yes. Humblewood. So I'm so excited about this. Like I am, I am absolutely over the moon about this, and I haven't even touched this book. <laughs> you didn't? Did you even know it existed until I showed it to no. you? No. Okay. Well, I, to be I fair, really to be fair, I backed it. I think it was a long time ago. This has been like a long time coming, so I don't know if if we like talked constantly when I backed this. So so I apologize for not bringing it to your attention beforehand. So um, this is uh, it's called Humblewood. It's a fifth edition um, compatible tabletop role playing campaign setting. Um, it's by a company called The Deck of Many, um, and it's called Humblewood. And what Humblewood is. More or less, Redwall, Everdell, if you're familiar with the board game. Like, it's that, you know, it's critters, forest folk, um, given, um, you, know, anthrop you know, anthropomorphized and given the ability to be rangers and barbarians and clerics and have 5th edition stats. Oh. Um, this book contains the rules for 10 um, original player races... It includes new monsters, new magic items, and the back half of it is an adventure that will take players from first to fifth level, which is actually pretty impressive. That's really um, cool. It also includes a whole bunch of stuff where you can either play it as its own game, um, as its own campaign where this is off to its own and, and it doesn't commingle with, you know, favorite, you know, any of the normal Dungeons and Dragons campaign settings, okay. or it has it so that you could just make your own homebrew world and just have their place be just a city. So you can have elves and dwarves hanging out with like owl people and rooster people and things like that. Does that? Does that? You guys, you guys can't see me. You can't see me. I'm raising my raising hand. hand I want to go to there. I, I um, want to go to there. So it is. 
Steven, um, when are we running this campaign? Listen, I gotta read it first, and then I will run it. Um, yes! So, I will um, for this. So, the... Okay, noted. Um, so, some examples... Oh, and they even have gods. <laughs> I'm just flicking through this. They got gods, they got new magic. Um, they have new feats. This is... This is a legit... Um... You know, this is this is a whole thing. Um, it's very impressive. They have a whole language, actually, with a written language. Um, wow, they have a conlang in there. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, uh, hedges, uh, otherwise known as hedgehogs, plus two charisma, as they should. Um, because hedgehogs. I didn't are even cute. know that when earlier earlier Stephen and I were talking, and I said, "Well, I want to play as a hedgehog," and then I find out now that they're plus two charisma. So of course I want to play a hedgehog because yep. I would play the bard. Yeah. Oh, I mean the the you know how when traditional Dungeons and Dragons, um, they have like an iconic character to represent the race. Of course. Let me just show you what the hedgehog is. Oh, that's so good. That's the hedgehog so is a hundred percent. I think that's like a. It's like a viola or something like that. It's very cool. Um, I'm very excited. Here's what happened. So, um, I was. This is bad right around the time that I backed the other project um, that we're going to talk about in a moment that your team backed to... No, this wasn't the same time. I can't remember. It wasn't at the same time, though. It was... Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, I, I'm trying to remember where the origin story of this was. Essentially, I was looking for stuff that was going to interest Jake in mm -hmm. Tabletop. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was looking for maps or figs or something. And he was yeah. sitting at the chair next to me while we were on Kickstarter because we had just exhausted a couple of online retailers. And I was like, well, let's just look at Kickstarter and see anything. And we found this Humblewood campaign and the little pudgy owl with a sword and a shield was on the front. And he was like, Dad, I want to be that owl. And I was like... What do you think? And he's like, well, no, I could be that owl, and I could wear, like, armor, but maybe it would have to be lighter, because otherwise I couldn't fly. And, like, he gave me this whole, like, thing, and I was, like, insta-back. Um, and admittedly, I really didn't read a lot about it, <laughs> so I expected it to be, like, a paperback, like, you know, whatever. Um, this book came today. This is, this is backed, this is, this is produced as well as my Starfinder book. As any of my D&D books, it's very nice. It even came with a nice little um, bookmark with a, an owl carrying a pumpkin. Um, I am all in on this. It's available at deckofmany.com. They are currently fulfilling... Um, I'm currently looking it up. You're looking it up. They are fulfilling 10,000 Kickstarter orders. Because Damn. they... This is an, we talked about this a little bit before. Like There are some Kickstarters that are for some relatively simple products that just blow up. Um, and this is one of those ones that just everybody that plays tabletop role-playing games was like, you know what? An entire setting and an adventure and ten new races all in one book? Count me in. Um, and so we just got it this afternoon. And I opened it with Jake and was looking through some of the stuff. And he was like, Dad, no, for real. This is what I want to do. I want to be an, I want to be an owl, a ranger. And then I want my pet to be an owl. <laughs> And I was uh, like, this is amazing. Also, I'm looking at like the uh, the box set. The oh yeah, box they have set figs. Is brilliant. Yeah, they have mini figs. They got mini figs. They got a map. Yeah, this I, is like I this is some it, nonsense. I backed it at the level that would get me the source book because I didn't want to fuss with the insane because it got a little out of control. I was like, you know what? I'll give you the money for the book. 
Um, but yeah, there were plenty of people that backed it and got minifigs. Got a tarot deck? And what it has a tarot deck. Happening? Well, the tarot deck is like characters and monsters and stuff like that. Because that's kind of the new tech in, in Dungeons & Dragons, is rather than fumbling through your player's handbook or your monster manual, you have the playing cards that have... Well, the playing cards are great. Yeah, I love those. Cards those were my favorite part of 4th edition when they started introducing those. Yeah. Um, and now I don't oh think God, I can ever play Oh my God, I'm buying this immediately. I mean, you're welcome to do so. Um, but that, And the other advantage to that is if it's in your home, you don't have to wait for me to run it for you. Um, I'm I mean, just saying. I don't have to be a, a critical part of the experience. Um... So that is Humblewood. Um, it's from the Deck of Many. Um, I think everybody owes it to themselves to look at the art, if nothing else. So go to deckofmany.com. Seriously. Um, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's super cute. And um, it does not... It, the only thing that I will caution everybody is it is not a standalone game. This is a rule supplement to Dungeons & Dragons 5th it Edition. Is. So you will need at least a player's handbook in order to really play it. However, if you already have a player's handbook, then you can buy this, and it references those things, and you will be fine. You got all the player races and things like that. Um, this looks like a whole lot of fun. I can't wait to dig into it a little bit more. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. Ex and I'm excited because it I'm has a bookmark. I'm getting it on it now. It's going to um, happen. So, yeah. So that's Humblewood. Um, man, is it so cute. I can't get over how cute that little is. It's the most Amanda game I've seen in a while. It is. When I when it came here, the first thing I did was I showed Jake, and the second one was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to show Amanda. Um, because I knew that it was going to be right in your wheelhouse. So, you know um, So what have you been playing? So I ended up spending my weekend with a couple of friends from Baltimore, they came up and spent the whole day with us. We ended up playing Betrayal Legacy and Shadowrun Anarchy. I'm not going to talk about Shadowrun Anarchy because it yeah. is not kid-friendly. Nope. But Betrayal Legacy is. Okay. So it's a horror game. If you know anything about Betrayal at House on the Hill, it is, it's like a B-movie horror film. Yeah. So you spend time, like... Oh, we're going to go on a dare to go to this like haunted house and we're going to go and check it out. Like that's the that's the premise of the original Betrayal at House on the Hill. Is you're just exploring this old house and then eventually you gather enough omens and you trigger the haunt mm -hmm. and then there's a betrayer and then the game really kicks in the high gear. So with Betrayal Legacy, it takes that formula, but you're actually building a campaign and you're building a story. Mm -hmm. So you it starts like I'm not going to go into the story into the story because if you want to play Betrayal Legacy, you and I am a hundred percent saying that you should. Um, I don't want to spoil the the story for you, but the premise is is that you go through and you choose your you choose your family, you name a family, you have a number of different family members, mm -hmm. and if your character is the survivor or is a survivor. You can actually reuse that character in the next game. So my first character, I had the, I was the Willsby family. And the Willsby family had um, a young woman named Amity, because it starts in 1666. Yeah, Amity sounds and like... It goes, and it's very Puritan name, right? Like, Amity is a really Puritan name. Yeah, it is. So we went, we went through and we've played three chapters now of Betrayal Legacy, including the prologue. And it's been so much fun. 
to just watch the way the house unfolds because it changes after every game, after every okay. session. So that, because time is ticking forward, right? So there are, you initially start off with a very small house that you're exploring and there's the outside that's also quite small. Um, and outside is a com is completely different. It's completely new to Betrayal because there wasn't really much outside. I think that Widow's Walk might have the the um, expansion for Betrayal at House on the Hill. I think Widow's Walk might have had some outside stuff, um, but it wasn't much. But the original Betrayal at House on the Hill was just upper floor, ground floor, and basement, and that's it. Okay. So now you're dealing with the upper floor, the ground floor, the basement, and outside. And it gets it starts off quite small because it's 1666, and then as time ticks on, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. And the haunts get more and more and more intense. So, I mean, the, the very first haunt that you have to do is you have to find the witch yep. in 1666, and that's it. Like, that is the whole haunt. So the whole game only takes about 30 minutes to play. So you're immediately, you're so plugged in. You're like, oh, shoot, I have to keep playing this game. So you play this first chapter. Like, that's the hook there, right? Uh -huh. So it's a lot of story building, a lot of world building, um, you know, introducing interesting new mechanics. Like, you have inhabitants, like the cook and the groundskeeper, and like I said, it just kind of starts to sprawl out. And I'm so excited to check out the next chapter because the end of the last chapter was really messed up. And not messed up in a way that's not kid-friendly. It was just, you know, bright lights and crazy horse from hell. And it was called a nightmare. Okay. You're a welcome. nightmare? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Yeah, I mean, it's a little on the nose. Um, a little bit. So it's a B movie. Where you want from my life? I mean, I listen. You neither neither of us created it. We're just living in the world that it's in. So, okay. um, so it's so it's kind of schlocky, spooky more than scary. It's um, creepy. Yeah. Okay. It's creepy, I, and I like creepy games. You know, that's that's what I've really enjoyed about playing um some of the other horror games in the past, like Arkham Horror. Arkham Horror is spooky. It's not scary, but it's spooky. Yeah, and I agree. And Trail at House on the Hill is creepy, and it's campy if you're playing the original. The original can be quite campy, but the, the new stuff is really well written. It's written for a more mature audience of players that clearly want to get deeper into the narrative yeah. and want to tell a cool story. And the last game, I was the betrayer, so I was controlling, you know, the monster and I was trying to charm people to get them to do things and rolling knowledge rolls and everybody was trying to kill me. And <laughs> I mean, so, all right. So when you say, so this is, so this is, cause I've seen this on shelves. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is, um, and I'm just, I'm like picturing it in my head. So this is more. So this this is a from from your recommendation. This is the kind of game that you would pull out with older kids around yeah. you know the spooky times of year to kind of relish that theme. And I mean, I would play at all times of year, but that's me. But that's, well, I mean, yes, that's that makes sense. That makes sense. So um, maybe all the times are spooky for you. 
Um, all times are spooky. You haven't met Vivi yet. She's I a little not... spooky kid. She's I'm pretty spooky. sure she's like children of the corn spooky. I mean, that's that's saying something. Well, I'll find out eventually. Um, I'm sure <laughs> that I will. So, so that's betrayal legacy. It, it is. is. Um, it is. The, the good news is that it is out and readily available. It is. Um, so let me look at your friendly local game store. I don't know if it's available on Amazon, but it probably is. Um, Betrayal Legacy is available on Amazon. Um, if that's your if that's your thing, um, right now it's about fifty some odd dollars, uh, fifty four dollars uh, on Amazon. So um, the cool thing about this kind of this kind of game is that it's going to be different for everybody. So my game board and my experience is going to be very different than yours or somebody else's because that's yeah. the way legacy games work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the what's really interesting about that is. We're all going to play. We're all going to have a different story. Is this the kind? Is this the kind of legacy game where at the end of it you can keep playing on just your finished yeah. board? That's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, it's cool because you're you can you constantly are mixing things up. So you <laughs> shuffle the board and you just reveal it as you go. That's awesome. Right? It's so cool. I can't wait to show you this game. It is it is awesome. And we've had this game for like a year. But we hadn't unboxed it until um, Kat and Ryan came to visit, so it was it was so much fun. Yeah, no, I mean th this is one of those ones that I have because um, I am um, a coward, um, and so it's one of those games that I would have played if my wife was able to convince me. Um, but I am because she is a spooky lady. Um, I am a coward. Um, I know you like my wife more every time I talk about her. Every Eventually, time. Every eventually, time. you'll meet her. Um, Listen, she's only made one mistake in her whole life. Um, so, the um, so for those folks, I know you don't like self-deprecating humor, but I can't help that one. So, um, for those folks that like the idea of what this game sounds like, here's what's really interesting about like the betrayer and all this stuff. Um, they made a non-legacy version um, that is set in Baldur's Gate in the Dungeons and Dragons universe. So if you're like, oh if you're like, wow, this sounds really cool, but like maybe my kids would just be a little weirded out by like witches and stuff cool how about swords and whatnot and then they can play betrayal at Baldur's gate which is mechanically yeah. similar um yeah. just thematically different. yeah exactly so that's something to think about and it's on amazon for 37 bucks i mean it's and there's a lot of game there for under 50 dollars. and both of these would be uh, i would expect to, that a any well-stocked friendly local game store will have one of these because they're pretty popular yeah, um absolutely so, so yeah, betrayal at Baldur's Gate. I haven't I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but we have that as well. And yeah. like the betrayal games are just such a huge hit in this household. I happened to be lucky enough to be present while betrayal at Baldur's Gate was being play tested, so I am familiar with some of its trappings and some of like the neat little twists that make it Baldur's Gate versus some of the other things. And I think. Uh, folks who enjoy some Dungeons and Dragons, but also find that I think people will enjoy it. Um, so yeah, so that's a betrayal. Um, let's just talk about this giant book that's sitting on my desk oh, right now. Can we please? In fact, we will because um, I want to take it off my desk. Um, so both of us back to Kickstarter, um, and it is called Immersive Battle Maps by uh, a company called Yarrow Studios. Now, these are currently going through fulfillment. It is literally one dude who is kind of learning everything as he goes. Um, he's a surprisingly chill guy, considering 
what happened because he came up with this neat idea of making a hard bound book of Dungeons and Dragons maps. Um, which I, I mean, I can't imagine he like invented the idea by himself, but like he had the, the idea and the means to do it. And this blew up on him. I don't think he was expecting to sell more than a couple hundred maps, uh, a couple no. hundred books. And he sold many, many, many of them. Um, and so what it is, um, and you can, there are going to be, uh, I'm actually going to be doing a video about this, uh, on our Facebook page, uh, with my daughter tomorrow, because she's very excited about some of these maps. Um, one of the maps in particular has made her want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like that's my compliment to uh, Tanner Yarrow. Uh, Tanner Yarrow is the guy who made this. Yarrow. Is that literally one map made my daughter, who is mostly disinterested, want to play D and D? So what it is 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 a hardbound book that is, you know, roughly twenty two by seventeen, which is big. That you. Um, in case anyone was curious, and you fold it open, and it has uh, 32 grid-based maps that you can use in your Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Um, and they, or really any campaign, or really any campaign that grid. uses minis. You're right. Good call. Um, so you don't necessarily need to use it for Dungeons and Dragons. You can use it for any tabletop role-playing game. Um, and so, looking through the selection of maps that are included, because he's going to do a sequel. Because he's already said he's going to make another book. Oh, yeah. Obviously, we're going to back it. Oh, 100%. Um, this is an insta-back from us. Um, because for not a huge amount... For not a Endorsed. huge... Yeah. <laughs> for not a huge investment in money. Um, we got 32 um, maps. And they're all in a very nice package. Because they're, you know, they you can pick them up. You can, I can send my six-year-old to go get them, and not worry that she's gonna like tip them over. Um, they're detailed. They're beautiful. Some of them you're gonna use as, oh well, this is just like the random farm that you're visiting, and my my adventurers will just visit this farm a lot. Sorry guys, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, but some of them are cool enough that you could legit just run an adventure or an encounter. On that, they have a dwarven forge with like oh, lava so cool flowing into like this is just cool. But then they also have some that's two pages of um just like a bunch of houses, but they're they're not connected. They're just houses that are just there, so you can be like, all right, this is the house you went into. Ignore everything else. You're just in this house. Also, the maps are uh, dry erase marker coded, so you can dry erase. You can use dry erase on them. And they have things like an ice flow and open ocean and a boat and all this cool stuff. A cem like the cemetery is just straight up fire. I will use this. I'm running a. I am currently running the Curse of Strahd. Oh, that's right. So I was like, oh man, I need this in my life. Um, and so, yeah, it is uh, a very cool resource, um, and my favorite part about it, and this is something that I had not really thought about the value of, and there are other companies that make them too, Arknight we talked about, um, yes. actually makes uh, cling spell, uh, spell templates, um, which okay. are, and this came with a bunch of them. Uh, yeah. That are templates that are on clear, like oh, people of a certain age will remember the cling, the static cling kind of stick'em playsets where you would have like all the Smurfs and they would be on the the plastic and you'd put them on the board. It's basically like that. Only instead of Papa Smurf, it's a fireball. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And the, it just... was playing with like a princess set of those right? a couple years ago when we first moved here. So yeah, I mean they're around, and oh, yeah. they this is something I had not thought about, and the fact that I have it, I immediately then went and bought the Arcanite set also, um, which is a lot of spells for like fifteen bucks. So um, this is a really cool. It's not a rule supplement. This is one of those things that if you play a lot of tabletop role playing games. You're going to need maps. Um, and, you know, it's great and to have... And drawing your own maps is tedious as all heck. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes yeah. you got to do it. Um, but a lot of times you just need a city street or a market or a bandit camp. It has a bandit camp. It's like, man, like sometimes you just need a bandit camp. And you don't want to just draw up a generic bandit camp. It just It could be the same. And just being able to use this... I suspect, you know, because I'm involved in a number of campaigns, as you know, um, I'll be using this on a bunch of them, and I think I would use this for, you know, any number of, like, one-shots or, or other things. Like, if I was going to just go to a game, this is coming with me to just hand to the Dungeon Master and be like, here, just in case, you know, save you some time. Because you know what? If you save the Dungeon Master five, ten minutes of break time while they're drawing stuff out, like, that's... 10 minutes of playtime, right? Like, it just it all yeah. adds up. So, again, Immersive Battle Maps by Yarrow Studios. Shout out to that guy. As I said, I'm going to be making a video. So, um, by the time this goes live, you should be able to see me and Meggie looking at it. Um, just so you know, Amanda, the map that has Meggie, like, because I think you'll appreciate the one that caught her attention the most, it's this one. Of course it is. Um, there's, like, lava flows around, like, this weird, like, ritual circle. And she's like, well, clearly, Dad, all the characters are supposed to stand in those circles. And you're supposed to make magic items there. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, you do. You do. She's going to be a... She's a future Diablo fan. She's, a, she's definitely a Diablo fan. Um, and considering how far away Diablo 4 is from release, she'll probably be old enough to play it by the time it comes out. Um... And, well, I mean, listen, um, it's not even Blizzard soon. <laughs> Whenever they said it's not even Blizzard soon, I was like, yikes, it's not going to come out for a while. So so that's Immersive Battle Maps. Mm -hmm. And you have that too. I do. I'm very um, excited about it. When that book came in, like when that box came in, like how stoked were you guys? Like, did you know it was coming or was it a surprise? No, we knew it was coming. Yeah, all right. We knew it was coming. Um, I didn't. I missed oh. my shipping notification. Like, I knew it was happening. Like, I got the update that was like, oh, the books are here. They're coming out. So I knew it was, like, I hadn't forgotten about it, but, like, I didn't know. I had missed the shipping notification email, and it just showed up, and I was like, yay. And my wife was like, what did you buy? And I was like, no, no, no. I bought this month ago. Never mind. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, hon. It's cool. It's cool. But then once I opened it up, she was like, oh. That's dope. Ooh, yeah, well, I mean, she plays. She is in every Dungeons and Dragons campaign that I run, so she knows that this is this is this only makes her game it's better. It's gonna be exactly. It just makes her game that. It much just makes her game better. So, so what else you've been playing? I know you have been you you played a fair number of things recently. I have. Um, the one I the other one I want to talk about is Villainous because I've had Villainous sitting in my office for ages and ages, mm -hmm. and I hadn't had an opportunity to play it yet. So when. Mike's mom was here 
um, earlier this month, or I guess it was later, it was last month, the end of last month. Sure. We ended up sitting down and playing Villainous with her. She ended up playing as, oh my goodness, who did she play as? Cruella de Vil. She did not. I played as Maleficent. Of course. And Mike played as Scar. I guess that's and, fair. And did he do the uh, voice? No. He did he have. try to do the voice? No, I'll, I'll get him to do the voice next time. We'll record it next time. I think we're gonna play. We'll play Villainous again next, uh, like, and but we'll stream it, so it'll be awesome because we have a streaming setup now. Um, and Paul ended up playing Captain Hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, for the life of me, I cannot remember what Max ended up playing as. It's not important. So we have the base game. Which you can like, you can get all of these games at Target, by the way. Which it's is insane. Super it's super easy to pick these up, and they're really high quality games. I didn't think it was going to be super high quality because it's licensed games, but this is Robinsberger. Robinsberger published this, mm-hmm. and they, don't they mess also around. published. Yeah, they don't mess around ever. Um, they also published Jaws, mm-hmm. and they have a Minecraft tabletop game. That's coming, and right? That's coming. That's that's soon. Hashtag mm. soon. And they also did Horrified, which I haven't had a chance to play yet, but my, my husband's been playing a whole heck of a lot of it with the kids. So Villainous took me by surprise. I didn't think I was going to like it. I wasn't sure if it was going to be the kind of quality game that I wanted to play. But I picked it up, and I took a look at it a couple of months ago, but I hadn't had a chance to play it at home yet. Mm-hmm. So when we, the premise behind it is that you are playing as Disney villains and you are looking to defeat the heroes that are in your realm. Sure. And we're trying to achieve the goals that you need for your realm. So as Maleficent, I was looking to curse, have a curse in every realm of my particular board. It's like you're playing solitaire almost. It's really good to make sure that you're paying attention to what the other villains are up to so that you're thwarting them and throwing heroes at them and making sure that they can't reach their goals as easily. Um, but it was it was fascinating to be able to take a look at what Scar was doing versus what I was doing versus, you know, Captain Hook. And for the life of me, oh, she was playing as Ursula. That's what it was. Mm, yep, Ursula was definitely in that first one. Yeah, so she was playing as Ursula. And... Yeah, so it was like we we had to keep track of each other and what we were up to. Like, she needed to get very specific things done as well. She had to get, like, the trident and uh, the crown back to her lair. And it took a whole bunch of different um, cards in order to make that happen. So it was really, really interesting to be able to sit down and play a game of solitaire, essentially, where we're just we're so focused on what we're doing. But we're saying, we're saying what we're doing out loud. So it's not like everything's just living in our heads. Uh-huh we are walking through our turns so that all of the other players have a chance to react. Sure. So, so yeah, like villainous was a surprisingly enjoyable experience and it's incredibly replayable because you can play as different villains from a number of different Disney properties. You know, there's, um, in the second, in the first expansion, there's like Dr. Facilier from the princess and the frog and Hades and in the second expansion, there's Scar and there's Radigan from the Great Mouse Detective. And, you know, the first the first game, like the base game, has a ton of great villains in it as well. So as far it's not even as far as licensed games go, it's good. It's just a good game. Sure. It's not it's not a great game to play with a big group though, because you end up doing a lot of downtime and like you'll plan your turnout 
but you won't have you'll have to sit there and wait yeah. for like 15 20 minutes until it gets back around to your turn so don't play it with a bunch of people play it with like four people play it with three people sure um and it's it's just a it's just a really enjoyable experience it really 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 is and i can't really it, i recommend it solely based on the fact that this game is so affordable and it's so approachable for mm -hmm. even little kids. All you need to have is basic reading competency. Like, I mean, Vivian, Vivian, Maggie are probably not quite there yet, but they're so close. Yeah. Like next year, this will be a Vivian Maggie game. I would not be. I would actually not be surprised. Maggie, uh, I think with Maggie, it's just a matter of whether she gives a crap. I think if she, like, if she cares, she might be able to knock it. Um, and I mean that not it, just because she'll force her way through um, and make somebody read for her. Um, oh, yeah, that's good. <clears throat> yeah, she'll just be like, do this, because I want to do this thing. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Hades being in games, um, because Hercules uh, yeah. is my favorite Disney movie. Have I told you that Hercules is my favorite Disney movie? I love Hercules. It's my um, second favorite Disney movie. Oh, yeah, that's fair. After um, Robin Hood. Um, all right, well, you, you mentioned that on the Twitter today, and I immediately started whistling. Um because of course I did, um, and um, I will say uh, Megara is my favorite Disney princess. Um, She's great, um, and also that tracks. Yeah, I mean you know exactly why. Um, <laughs> so, um, man, oh God. So the um, anyway, the so as soon as like they cause what they've been doing, they do such a great job marketing this. Talking about marketing. Okay. Because, yeah. like, when they announce a new um, expansion, it's always, like, with the silhouettes of the bad guys. So you get to, like, figure out who it is. Like, so when, like, Hades was in there, it was, like, Hades and the Evil Queen from Snow White. And um, and I, 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 and I think that's the one that had um, the guy from uh, Princess, and the, uh, Princess and the Frog. Yeah. And so, like, what was neat is... You know, they use these cool silhouettes. So, like, some of them are obvious. Like, you knew the evil queen, right? Um, but you didn't necessarily... Like, you knew Hades if you knew Hades. But, like, otherwise it was just kind of like a weird silhouette. And, and Dr. Phil yay. Like, Princess and the Frog is unnecessarily maligned. Probably... Be, and it, it sucks because it's such a good it's movie. It's so good. It's so good. Um, I absolutely love it. And But part of it is because he's he is not a top-tier Disney villain. Um, th I think the movie is better, you know, but I don't remember the movie because of him. I remember the movie because of the, the you know, the, the, the lightning bug and, you know, the, the crazy blonde princess girl and, like, like and Tiana and, like, the whole frog thing. Like, the villain thing didn't even register with me. But listening to people, like, try and figure it out is just, that's so exciting when you can get that kind of social engagement, and they do such a good job. Um, the only downside is eventually they're going to run out of villains. Um, so, but are they though? Because it's Disney, and they can start pulling into things like Star Wars. Oh, I mean, it's Marvel. absolutely true. They could totally put Darth Vader in this, and then who cares? So you're right. You're right. You're right. They'll never run. They'll never run out. Um, Literally never. I mean, I, I think this. I, I think. Um, as fellow editors, I think we would have to say that they can't literally never. Okay, fair enough. They you, probably guys. She just gave me, guys. She just gave me a look. It's fine. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Um, so You're villainous. Not in 
I it will take no. The, so when I think when I think about this from like a literally never perspective, I'm thinking about it from a how many how many games can they logically produce in a given year versus how many villains are in each universe. In my lifetime, I don't think that they would run, be able to run no, out. No, you're of, right. This is yeah. It, you're, you're right. You're you are right. I'm just being sassy. So my sassy. personal never. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's fair. That's fair. Um, and you're you're probably right because the reality is eventually, you know, games can only get so many expansions. I mean, who they think they are, Dominion. Um, <laughs> that was I shade. I see that was, that, I mean, listen, man, Dominion's great. It's just it's got a lot of expansions. Um, so that is villainous. Um, you you were wondering, is it available um, on the Amazons? It is in fact available on the Amazons. All of them. Yes are approximately, the, the base game is approximately $40, and then the, the expansions are $25. Um, Target regularly does buy one, get one half off. It's you know, worth whatever. waiting. It is. It's worth waiting. Grab it on, you know, Villainous, grab Villainous an expansion, or grab the two expansions to, you know, get your most bang for your buck. Um, it is, uh, I, this has been on my list for a long time or grab it on Black Friday. I mean, if you're in there, this is also an accessible game that you could give to someone that is not crazy into crunchy board games, um, who happens to love Disney. My sister-in-law loves Disney, but she isn't, she's not going to sit down and play Twilight Imperium, right? She's not going to. Um, as much I, mean, I, I don't would, know too many people that would. To be well, honest. I mean that's fair, but they don't. Present they don't. Company excluded. Present company excluded. Um, I know exactly. Uh, I would. Um, but nervous. but she. Um, and yeah, and you were definitely looking to your left when you said that. Um, I know. I'm not stupid. I'll, I, there will come a day where that's I'll play favorite. Twilight Imperium with your nerd. Um, so. But she absolutely loves Villainous because it is just crunchy enough that she feels like she's playing a game. Um, and way less offensive than some of the other just crunchy enough to feel like you're not playing a game. And it's got yeah. a cool theme, right? Because who doesn't love yeah. to just reminisce about Disney movies? Um, unless you really don't like Disney. But if you don't like Disney, you probably checked out as soon as we said the word Disney's villainous. So Yeah, but don't, definitely don't don't sleep on this game. No. And don't sleep on it because it's a licensed game. Robinsberger really does know if what they it's don't doing. Mess so around. these... They definitely don't. This is also the team that's working on the Funkoverse a board game mm-hmm. over over at uh, Funko. So, and they were just purchased, I think, this year. Yeah, Funko purchased them. So, yes, they Pretty did. Yes, they did. Man, that Funkoverse game. Um, do you know Bruce from Northstar? I do not. Okay, no. so I'll introduce you because he's amazing. Um, okay. Last year at New York Toy Fair, he and I sat down. We were. I, he had just done a demo of me for Funky Chicken, or a demo for me of Funky Chicken. Um, and he and I always have these fascinating conversations. He's going to come on the show at some point. Um, and that's that's how I will introduce you first. Um, and he is, and we talked about how Funko, Pop, all, Funko, all they had to do is buy some board game designers, and they could absolutely just make a board game that had a bunch of Funko Pops in it, and people it would just fly off the shelves. And guess what they did? They made a board game bunch of Funko Pops in it, and um, people are readily buying a Funko Pop board game about the Golden Girls. Seriously, though. Yeah. They did Golden Girls. Okay. They did. And there's Um, Harry Potter. Like, honestly, I don't have the Funko Pop um, board game, but 
uh, Super Parents managing editor, Brandy, she has it. And she is, she's played through it. She loves it. Yep. And I mean, she's relatively, you know, light on the lighter end of the spectrum for tabletop mm-hmm. games, but she loves it. So, yeah. So um, I have one more game I want to talk about. Okay, tell me about the game. Yo, um, have you ever played Azul? I have played Azul. I love Azul. So I had not played it. Um, and not... I'm so excited that you got to experience it for the first time. Yeah, so Azul, I mean, Spiel the Jar winning, like crazy sensation Azul, uh, earned itself a number of expansions already, and all of them look great, Azul. Uh-huh. Um, Azul, A-Z-U-L, it means blue, folks, um, in case you're curious. Um, so Azul is um, a abstract strategy game where you are, the, with some light theming, essentially we are Portuguese tile layers. Um, I th- are we building a backsplash in a kitchen or a bathroom? I don't know. Maybe both. Why not both? Both at the same time, in the same room. Why not? Let's just live dangerously. Exactly. Um, it's a very small house. And um, so the idea is you. it is a kind of a drafting game where you are kind of collecting pieces of these absolutely gorgeous starburst size pieces. They are literally, I mean, didn't you, didn't you look like, didn't it feel like you could play that game with starburst and it really wouldn't uh, take it? Yes. Actually, I think I, that's what I ended up calling them was they were starburst tiles. Yeah. I mean, they look like they're the same size and shape and even weight of a starburst candy. Yeah. Um, but they have these beautiful colored patterns. Um, and the idea is you are building patterns and filling up a grid on your player board um, and you're earning points over time. Um, I played a four-player game with my wife, my son, and my mother, who loves her some board games. Um, That's awesome. She, um, every time we go on our vacation, I show, I sent you the pictures of where we were. You did. Everywhere yeah. we go, she's like, what board games are you bringing for us to play this time? She's like, very, very clear. Um, her favorite game of all time is uh, Ticket to Ride. So, like, that is her jam. Um, but we didn't bring Ticket to Ride this time because we brought Azul. And um, she went nuts for it. Um, we played a ton of games of it, you know, really right in a row. Um, man, I, so it is absolutely gorgeous. And I think that's the first thing that everybody notices. And I think because of how aesthetically pleasing it is, I think that makes it, like, it's not the best game ever made. And I can't say that it is. And I, th- but I think that it that it looks so pretty that it makes us want to feel that you know, like I think it punches above its weight class a little bit because of how pretty it is. Sure. But that's my only criticism. Like it's just not the greatest thing in the universe. However, it's close. Um, it's very close. And it is a joyous experience to play. Um, yes. The only criticism that I have, like, actually, is that, man, is it easy to Godzilla that board. Like, you bump your player board, and it's over. Um, It's not good. uh, We had a moment. We actually had to restart a game because I was explaining to my mom that, um, man, it's really easy to Godzilla the board. And my mom was like, "What what does that mean? And so Evan tipped over his player board to show us and then realized that he couldn't remember where all his tiles went. Now, admittedly... Oh, I'm facepalming so hard right admittedly, now. Admittedly. <laughs> like, it was like something out of, like, 
you know, a, like it was like something out of like Saved by the Bell. You know what I mean? Like or like a, another appropriate show. Like the dorky kid would do that, and then be like, oh, and then the laugh track would play, and then would be like, oh, we're laughing, but we really shouldn't be laughing. It was like that moment, and he was like, oh. Like, when he realized that he couldn't remember, <laughs> there's no way I would have remembered. Um, so we started to get, the good news is the games are fast, so we started over. Um, it is, there's lots of cool decisions to make. There's lots of viable strategies as far as how you, what order you do things. Um, mm. It's easy to recover from mistakes. That was my personal favorite because, I mean, when you're learning a game, it sucks to make a mistake and then suffer for the yeah. entire game. Agreed. You know, lots of games have runaway winners. I don't feel like... Um, Azul has that problem. Do, do, what no, do you think? I don't. I I don't think it does either. The first game that I played of Azul, um, I was worried that I wouldn't quite understand it, and the rules are a little persnickety. It's not like Fantasy Flight persnickety, but it was a little bit challenging for me to really wrap my head around it. But as soon as I got into the rhythm of it, and by my second game, I'd started to figure it out. But I mean, I kind of hooped myself in my first playthrough. Because I was like, oh, should I do that? Oh, I, oh, oh, I screwed that up. Oh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're screwed for the whole game. It just mm -hmm. means that that particular piece is just not going to end up working out for you. That's yeah. all. So, I mean, it's, it's easy to recover. It's a really engaging experience for non-gamers as well. Mm, yeah. So for very casual tabletop players and it's approachable for kids. Yes. So Azul is is such a spot-on kind of experience for me and i really enjoy how tactile and interesting the experience is top like top to bottom absolutely um also it's 25 dollars on oh, the yeah. amazon um, approachable all the way around so this is basically free um <laughs> i mean I, I, and i'm not trying to be rude to nobody i mean 25 bucks obviously feature kids first folks but um, $25 for a lot of game. It plays up to four players. Um, and the player boards actually are double-sided um, because um, you can play it either with like a set pattern that you're kind of trying to match or um, you can play it where it's basically all wild cards and you can kind of just play it in the order that you want. We chose not to play the gray side in any of our games um because my mom doesn't like that she doesn't you know she's not down with that style of things she wanted to just play with the board as it was designed um but man is it beautiful and there is um it already has a sequel that is also available uh called stained glass of Sintra, which is instead of laying tiles in a bathroom you are make a stained glass and it is absolutely gorgeous um it doesn't play exactly the same but it is no. in the neighborhood. It's got the same feel. Yeah, it's in the neighborhood. Um, it's down the street to the left of the original. And they have a new one where you are, I forget what it's called, but you're you're doing, it's another thing where you're picking up tiles that are uh, shaped differently and colored differently, but you're earning points. This is, again, Azul, man. It's so good. So good. I recommend. I honestly recommend Azul. We're working on our EFG Essentials. Azul rocketed itself into our EFG Essentials within three plays. I was like, nope. I Makes think sense. I am comfortable recommending Azul to anyone. 
which is True. not Same. something that I would say about some like my other favorite games. You know, I you know I love Splendor. I don't know that I would recommend that to literally anyone. Um, Azul, I would recommend to literally anyone. I think that's it, though. I think we played a we played a lot. It. You and me played we a lot of games. so many games. Um, and we still play Pokemon. And, oh my goodness. So, next week for video games, guys. We're going to yell about Pokemon. We're going to talk a <laughs> lot about Pokemon. Um, our, how about this? A little bit of a plug. If you go to YouTube, if you go to EngageFamilyGaming.com slash YouTube, there is a video review. Videos? We have a video review of Pokemon. Because I have been teaching myself how to make videos. And we, I made a video review. Um, we captured some video. We layered some audio on top of it. Um, we actually have a po- – it is a podcast that I recorded that I just put B-roll behind. Um, Maggie provided her perspective, um, and she gloriously declared that she's part of the Grookey gang um, because, I don't know, so that's what she did. Um, she's amazing. So, yeah, so next week will be exciting. Folks, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Engage Family Gaming Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as Amanda and I enjoyed recording it. Um, As I said, we'll be back next week for video games where we will probably yell about Pokemon for an hour. Um, And that's okay um, because we were very happy with it. Um, But we will probably also at least briefly touch on uh, the Game Awards because we finally got the announcements for the nominees for the Game Awards. Which, by the way, I will be seeing in a movie theater. Did I tell you that I bought the tickets to go see it in a movie theater? Love it. Um, I'm going to go see it along with Jumanji. um, Which is, it's fine. I mean, I'm sure that's better for people that like to see The Rock. Um, I'll be fine. Um, I'm in, I'm gonna enjoy myself, man. Um, but I'm so and I. To see, we might be like Mike and I might be at the Game Awards. We don't know yet. No, you might. Well, that'd be really cool. You'll be a little bit closer to the action. Uh, maybe I'll see you in the crowd. It'll be easier to see because everybody will be on a giant screen. <laughs> so, with that said, everyone, this has been episode 202 of the Engage Family Gaming Podcast. Uh, we will be back next week. And until then, don't forget to get your family game on. Bye. Bye. Music for the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast is Android Sock Hop by Kevin McLeod, an audio production by Six Pack Nerds Productions.